And now, the Saxinian family presents Let's Rage Coup, streaming on the Houston Roundball Review YouTube channel. Well, officially, the Saxinian family does not promote this show because we don't have a sponsor for the last two shows of the football season, but whatever. I'm Chris Gardner, joining me is Deion Dunlap, and we are here to discuss on Let's Rage Cougs the escape of the Houston Cougars football team winning 43-36 over the Temple Owls. <laughs> Cougs won. Okay, they're 6-4 and four now. They're bowl eligible, but they were down 36-35 with a minute change left. So to Clayton Toon's credit, Matthew Golden, that's a great play call going deep because I think they were on the edge of field goal range. It's a go-ahead field goal. 45-yard touchdown, great catch by Matthew Golden. Then went for two-point conversion, got that, and got the win. What are your thoughts, man? It's Temple. Is it a win? Is it well? Let's be glad that they got out of there with the W because other than that, this was not a lot to hang your hat on. <laughs> man, where, you, where are you? I mean, it wasn't, but, I mean, you, you said it right yesterday. Cougs are going to win because they needed to win. <laughs> I mean, and I feel like that's what they did. They needed to win, and – it looked like at times they tried to give it away, but Temple tried to give it back. Yep. <laughs> well, they did give it back. <laughs> and so, but, I mean, you got to give Clay Toon his credit. I mean, this last, what, four-game stretch, he's played really, really, really well. Yep. And so today, he played really, really well again. That one interception should have been a touchdown. So right. he almost had a flawless game. And so, man, it's like – I don't know how to feel either. I mean, <laughs> I guess we celebrate the win. I mean, it, it, they got the win. And, I mean, this comment from Steve Hiller right here. <laughs> let, me, let me see if I can shrink a little bit here. There we go. Uh, walking back to my car after win, should I be happy? Should I be sad? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's an honest assessment right there. I mean, really, fans, how do you feel? Thank you for tuning in to Let's Rage Coups. We talk about this. This victory, because it is a win, it still counts. We don't get points for extra credit for how you how it looks, if it's pretty or anything like that. It's a win. They're bold, eligible now. But, I mean, tune in, fans, on the show, on the Houston Round Bar Review show, on, on Quas Emma Jamma, as well as Andy Yannis on Twitter. And Andy and Justin will be they're at the game at TDECU Stadium. Aki, that's right, my fault. Aki's at the game. And they're going to get post-game comments as soon as we have those um from the stadium we'll, we'll provide those from coach Hogerson because i'm kind of curious as to what he thinks about this as well man. yeah i mean well this is another sentiment eh, man <laughs> they won but i mean it's better than a loss how about that it's better than a loss because man if they had lost this game to temple be five and five and then going on the road to east carolina with that they might not be favored to win that game next week anyway right if they'd have lost that they could be a five and six and they needed one win to be bowl, bowl eligible. But forget all that. They got the win. They got the W. Six and four. And Temple's quarterback, he's a freshman, but he looked good. He impressed looked me, man. Good. You yeah. can tell the last name. You recognize that last name. And he plays smart like yep. his daddy is a Hall of Fame quarterback. And, and about- he got the skill set. He got uh, – they definitely have their quarterback for the future that they can build around. Like our, the commentator was saying – 
you know what they had early in the season, but they put him inside the game. I mean, put him in the game, and his play has spoken for itself. I mean, he he looked really, really good for a freshman, really poised. But man, um, Houston Sneed looked very, very explosive. I mean, he's looked explosive all year, but today it seems like Temple just gave him alleys to run with, and he was just getting loose. You know, let's let's touch on that because he's a one a Temple quarterback, almost five hundred yards passing. But the Cougs' offense did a lot well. Yeah. I mean, are you more or still disappointed, concerned about the Cougs' defense and, and the struggles, the secondary, the miscommunications, sometimes missed tackles? The tight ends were open all okay. the whole game, man. <laughs> you know. So what do you feel about the defense, Houston's defense in this game, after this game? It's an improvement from last week. Well, yeah, <laughs> you, technically, yeah, you rocked, man. <laughs> it won nah, 37 I, points, man. Nah, I jokingly say that, but it, uh, it really is, though. But um, I feel like I feel like with the, the defense, their secondary is young. Red mm-hmm. surf freshmen, some transfers. And so I keep all of that in mind. But at the same time, some of the laps that they have, it's man-to-man coverage. I don't know if it's communication. What is it that they're lacking where you have so many receivers running wide open? Yeah. And then I know the commentators at one point when the tight end was open down the field, and they said that it was man coverage all the way around the board. And then Donovan Mutant um, didn't guard his man, in which if the assignment was true and it was man-to-man across the board, then he would have been guarding man-to-man. And so just miss assignments like that. If that was the case from your captain, you can't have that. But – Jalen Emery, young redshirt freshman corner. I mean, he showed flashing. So I think the defense, they they struggled. They gave up a lot of yards, but at the same time, I, I think that um they just need to get experience. So I'm not really too low on the defense. I think the defensive line, you could tell they're missing that their depth because of they don't look the same that they look to start the season. And you you could tell they missing Parrish and um, they're really missing him because it, he spells season and he spells um, Anthony, which mm-hmm. keep both of them fresh and keep all three of them fresh and allow them to really, really get out the passing. So, man, uh, I'm not as down on the defense. I, they, of course, they have to play better. I definitely want to hold them accountable. They have to play better. They should play better. But at the same time, you got to look at where they are. I mean, they're a young team, missed assignments. And so a lot of that is – I, I got to put it, I mean, on the players. Like, what, what are y'all communicating on the field? What What's going on? Yeah, give me your thoughts on, on this statement right here from TI-7791. Just brought out too many backups, and the starters are not consistent. That's well said. That's well, well said. And like I said, those backups are inexperienced. And so you can see flashes in which they make some plays. They're in the right spot and in the right time they make some plays. But at the same time, you see that lack of experience. And you see they were, I don't want, they were backups for a reason because there's players who were in front of them who had more experience and maybe even more more um talent or more skills. And so yeah, that 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 that's a well said comment. And I think the defense just they're going to be – they just need to continue to develop, man. I, um, that secondary was hard to watch. Hard to watch, yeah. man. Hard to watch. Because – and we're going to get to Kenneth's comment in seconds. I really want your thoughts on that. Um, they, when they played zone defense, zone or man, they and were I, like, okay, I'm not sure where to be. That's how they kind of looked on the field 
All right, yeah. we're in zone. So I'm not sure what to do kind of thing. So that, yeah. that's a concern going forward. Lack of experience. Lack of experience as well. So, yeah, here we go. I mean, it's the elephant in the room. Let's, let's put it out there. Ugly, ugly win. Houston will never make it in the Big 12 with Hogerson in all caps. So he's speaking from his chest at the helm. Time to cut our losses and get somebody that can coach, recruit, and motivate. Hogerson should already be gone. What are your thoughts on that, man? I'm going to put it back up. It's a lot to unpack right there. Okay. Lot, okay. okay. Of, yeah, go ahead. Pack right there. <laughs> I think first let's start with the Big 12. This definitely is the bottom feeder Big 12 team that they have right now. And so that's a 100% fact. Anybody okay. with eyes can see that. That's 100% true. And so – Defensively, I would say defensively. I think offensively, offensive line looked pretty good. They looked pretty good um, today against a team who leads the conference and um, pressures and sacks. And so, Skip was there. Offense is fine. We still need to see with the young quarterback. But defensively, Big 12, you're right. You give up <laughs> probably 70 a game <laughs> with the way it's looking. But then as far as cutting um, somebody that can coach. Coach, recruit, and motivate. Especially the motivate, I, the motivate part. That's interesting to me. I I, I think it might be something there. I, I I I can't definitively say because I'm not in. The, we're not in the locker room, obviously. Mm -hmm. But they don't look motivated. <laughs> they don't look motivated. <laughs> so I think I think it's 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 something there. And as far as the recruiting, I think he's done well recruiting. I have to give them some credit. They've done I mean, well. Running backs are fine for going through for next year for the next well. Receivers, they recruited well. The receivers, they recruited in a, in a portal. Is it doing pretty good? And so, the the recruiting, I, I can't I can't give them knock them on the recruiting. They've done well in recruiting. They got some good recruits already committed. And so, I think they've done they've done oh they've done good recruiting. I give them a credit, but as far as recruiting recruiting, but everything else, I, right on the head. I um I, I don't know is he the man for the job? Just look at his track record, his history, and what he's done. I mean, it was good for him to coach an American team, but when you're Big Twelve projecting, yeah, hey, I, 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 that's a that's a debate to be had. Yep, and let's go with with this. Oh, Parker Ainsworth, Parker's part of. Uh, I guess I should plug it. I mean, he's on this show with a comment. He's part of uh, the Locked On Cougs, uh, Locked On family, and he's doing that. But back half of the defense is it Jimmy's and Joe's or X's and O's? So having a hard time telling on safety and corner plays right now. So which is it? Is it talent and experience or coaching? Yeah, I think, I think it's, I'm going to have to go players right there, but I'm going to have to go players right there. In my opinion, in my mm -hmm. opinion, I, I still believe in Doug Belk. And I think the turnaround, I think Cook fans don't remember the defense prior to last season, where they were and what they were doing. And so I still think that, that he's a young promising coach. And I think he's simplifying the game for them, but coaches coach and players play. And so I can't go out there and say that he's making them miss and make them miss miss assignments. Like I think that's that's on the players 100%. I think he has to take accountability for some of that though 100% because you're, you're the head carter. Maybe Maybe it's making it even more simpler. I don't know how simple it is, but make it, you simplify it even more and just be like, hey, you got this, man. You got whatever you need to do yeah. to make it as simple as possible. So 
you don't have these big explosive plays. You don't almost give up 500 passing yards in back-to-back weeks because you play the Big 12 like like um, that last comment said. You're gonna be in a root for a rude awakening. And you know, and what goes back to the to our point, really, who what's the key to help the Cougs defensively be ready for the Big 12? I think you gotta start up front. I think you gotta start because when Houston um you has been well defensively, they've had good talent up front. And so if you could dominate in the trenches, you can pat, rush the passer, because you look back. How many, how many sacks did they have today? Let me see. And I'm waiting on the, the attendance, too. Uh, sacks. Mm, one, one sack. One sack today. One yeah. sack all game. And so sack Av, man, that street been very vacant lately. <laughs> <laughs> it's been very vacant lately. And so I think it starts up front. I mean, you, you got to be able to recruit depth up front and – Right now, they don't have that because when sack app is active and they're getting pressure, that takes um, pressure off the secondary. You don't have to right. cover for five or six seconds, which is almost impossible to do that. So I think it starts up front. If they can continue to recruit and develop defensive linemen like they've been able to do, they've been able to do that at a very, very high level. I give them credit for that. But right now, they lack depth at, at their um, on the defensive line. And I think moving forward, they got to recruit that and they have to get talented depth because if a player goes down, you got to have somebody, multiple players willing to step up and willing to and able to produce. Okay, and let's get into this part of it with Untitled Project regarding Hogerson because his comment about Hogerson needs to stay, needs to stay, I don't know about needs to stay, but sunk cost will be an issue. And then he, he comes with the, the salary amount, $4.2 million. But to you, Untitled Project, and Dan, I want you to comment when I get my two cents on it. If we, you know, I don't know how many fan, Coug fans are turned off by the product on the field this season, turned off by Hogerson as a coach, what have you. But if, they, if there's, let's say 40% are turned off if they keep Hogerson as a head coach going in Big 12. They're not coming to the game, okay? Attendance will suffer. That's, that's also bottom line. So, Ken, is, is, it, is Houston at a point where they're going to lose money if they keep him because it's going to hurt attendance, apparel, purchases, interest? Because, I mean, there's going to be some Coug fans just like, y'all tell me when basketball season starts <laughs> and, and won't care about football. I don't think so, because we both have been critical of the crowd, and we know that the crowd, I don't know, I think they're going to show up regardless if you go hire another good coach. A coach isn't going to make Houston fans show up to the football games. I think if you just foreseeing looking next year, when you have a, a Texas coming to Houston, you have a TCU coming to Houston, people are going to show up to see those other teams, because just that's what they do. That's how they are. And so with that, I don't think it will hurt as far as um, coming to the game in attendance. Maybe it'll hurt maybe in other areas that you mentioned. I, I can definitely see that. I can definitely see that. But to just to play devil's advocate a, a little bit, when you when you change head coaches again, normally that sets your program back a couple of years, unless mm-hmm. you get a Lincoln Riley or you get um one of the upper echelon coaches who players 
want to come play for and they can get recruits and all that type of stuff. And so to play devil's advocate, I can see why administration will keep him for another year or two to let Houston settle in the Big 12. And then once they get in, then maybe you go get a big a big name or a, a, a better, a different coach. And, and, but that's, that's, so that's kind of a slippery slope, yeah. um, slippery slope for sure. Um, but I definitely think fans are, are, are off, um, Dana. Um, I think, I don't know about alumni, but he has his work cut out for him. Um, it, and I think it just really resides on, um, because Clayton Toon's going to be gone next year. I know right. he's been playing stellar though. I do want to give him his flowers because I'll be very critical. So I want to make sure I give Clayton his flowers when he's played well. And he's played well over these last four games, if I'm not mistaken. He's been uh, the reason that Houston has won these games that they've won. So just put it out there from Bailey. I would love if we could get Matt Rule. Matt Rule instead of Dana Hogerson, because I think Matt Rule would love to come back and coach in college because NFL was not for him. <laughs> and he's not for the NFL. I think he proved that in Carolina. But yeah. what are your thoughts about somebody like Matt Rule taking over the program? Uh, or Matt Rule himself? <laughs> no, I, great coach. He turned around Baylor when they was rock bottom. They mm-hmm. was where Houston is because of everything that went on at the campus. And so he's proven that he could turn around um, a college program in the Big 12 that, that he could do it. And so, I mean, it, it sounds good. I, I wouldn't be mad at it. He's someone who's proven that he can win at a high level, not just mediocre and just, then just can win and be an okay coach like the one that we have right now. And mm-hmm. so I wouldn't be mad at it. That, that'd be something to really consider. But I think he's going to have a lot of job offers um, this upcoming next season. And so who's who's to say? Um, but I, I would not be mad at that. I, I would like that 100%. Even – um, Leakin Riley's brother, the offensive coordinator at TCU. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's a name to keep on the rise. But I mean, your coach is out there. But I would never, I would not be mad at Matt Rule. I, th- I think he could come in and get the job now for sure. And, and let me ask, Untitled Project. I hope you're still watching the show. Let's Rage Cougs on the Houston Round Bar Review channel. What are your thoughts on it? Because <clears throat> how, I mean, we're going uh, Devil's Advocate with, with Dayon. If the administration keeps Dana for a year or two in the Big 12, and it's not better, okay, they're bottom third in the conference for two more two more years, then what? At what point would it be okay to eat what's what's left of, of the contract and get somebody else? So Untitled Project and anybody else who is bringing up the money part of the reason to keep Dana because I'm I have not seen too many fans suggesting keeping Dana because he's a good coach. <laughs> okay, they're suggesting keeping him because of the money. So, at what point does the money just say, okay, he's got to go? <laughs> so, that's a question I really want people to ask who are tuning into the show on the YouTube channel because y'all know where I, damn, you know where I come from. I go with this. Houston has said for a while, and it's finally getting to be a power program, but they have said and claimed to be a big time program for a while. Yeah. Okay. Well, Big-time programs get rid of bad coaches, okay? Yeah. They buy them off. So Out of the amount. Regardless of the amount. So I'm just, okay. So answer that question for me because, like I said, if there's anybody who, who believes Dana and his coaching is worth your staying, let me know. 
But money-wise, okay, I can hear that logic, but tell me, give me some more reasons about when will be time to let him go. One more year, two, win. But we got a clip from Coach Hogerson ready, courtesy of Andy Yanez, who is doing that great work again. So we got about three-minute comments from uh, Coach Hogerson post-game from Temple. And we'll get back to the comments after hearing from Coach Hogerson. Uh, yeah, I got enough stops for us to be able to win. Um, you know, I'm sitting there looking at the sidelines, and nobody cares what I'm about to say. And it's, I'm not using it as an excuse. It's just who we are right now. But, you know, you're looking at a lot of guys in street clothes that should be starting or playing. It's just facts. I mean, we're playing a lot of guys that we didn't anticipate uh, playing at this point. Um, and we're wearing out. I mean, you know, this team scored 54 points against South Florida last week. They scored on every possession. You know, so we knew they were going to have possess the ability to, to to move the ball and score. We'll face the same thing next week. I mean, we're going to go face the East Carolina team that can score points, and it's just it's it's the, it's the makeup of our team. Um, just hang in there and get some you know, get some key stops to the point to where offense can score enough to be able to win. Again, uh, 486 passing yards from Temple today. How much of that offensive explosion would you just attribute to the pass rush uh, not getting to the quarterback? Well, it was one of the keys of the game. I, I thought we protected good because they, they came in top five in the country in sacks, TFLs, Temple did. So I think we did a good job of that. Uh, you know, I know DA got there once, but they're number one in the nation in not allowing sacks. I think a lot of it has to do with play calls. And, and the Warner kid getting the ball out of his hands. So we knew we wouldn't be able to rack up a bunch of good numbers and stuff like that. I, I don't think we, I don't think we're as disruptive to the point to where we made him uncomfortable, which is why we gave up so many yards and points. I mean, it's, it's just it's not it's not good enough defense. To, uh, and, and we and we've seen that uh, in years past and in games past to be able to do it. We're just not doing it right now. They didn't. Congrats on the win. Uh, is bowl eligibility something that you guys can um, celebrate, even though you guys have had the season that maybe you didn't expect? You're talking about preseason expectations that we don't put on ourselves and that other people do. I mean, every season's different. Every team's different. Um, I'm proud of the fact that our team just fights and plays, and we won, and so we will celebrate that. Next question, one or two more. Dana, uh, you, you know, Tank, you know, 12, 12 more catches today, you know, prevents that one interception. Um, yeah, that's probably the best play of, of the game for him, honestly. That was an excellent play. What, what does it say about his toughness that he's able to do this week after week? I think he legally wants to name, change his name to Tank. I mean, he does not like to be called what I was looking at in the stat book. He would prefer to go by Tank because he thinks he's tough. And I think he's tough. I mean, for a guy that's of that stature, uh, he does a great job of not getting hit, which is why he can keep playing at the level that he plays at. Um, you know, very proud of him. He's just he's just consistent, but he is. He's, he's incredibly tough. He's the same guy each and every day. Happy we got. Thank you. So, what are your thoughts on what you just heard, Dayan? I mean, I, I agree on on the fact that. Like we were just talking about the injuries and stuff like that, but expectation. What was your expectation? Did you not have expectations coming into the season that I know it was high expectation on the outside, but was your expectations not high because the preseason expectations were high? Yep. So that's kind of that's an interesting comment right there. Was he not expecting to have a good season? Like what? 
what do you mean right there? Because the asset expectations were high for sure. But if yours weren't there, then what were your expectations? Right? Right. And I mean, because so, it should have been because we've heard the players say their goal was to win the conference championship. Right. The player said that. So what was his goal? Right. You know, so that stuff like that is like, what are you what are you talking about? And so, yeah, you want to celebrate the win. But cool. Don't under undermine a good question. But like, what was your expectation? And so I think it seems as if he's maybe he's happy with being bowl eligible. He didn't answer that portion of the question, but. Maybe he's celebrating being bowl eligible from what it sounds like. Is that a good conclusion? Is it safe to drop? <laughs> <that>? <laughs> no, here's, here's, I'm trying to, his, his goal was to get $4.2 million. That was his goal. <laughs> well, that's probably a fact, too. But a fact. Untitled Project, he did answer my question to him or her about the, he said, fire him if, in two years. His contract last to 27. If he doesn't turn around the next two seasons, then let him go. Are you cool? Are you cool with that? I would be cool with that because I want to see what Lucas Coley has. You, you see the, the plethora of offensive weapons and the best player on offense is coming back next year, Alton McCaskill. And he could potentially be the best running back in the Big 12, potentially with the, mm-hmm. the um, skill set that he has. And so – um. I, I, I want to see it. I don't now. Now going into the season, with his expectations, I'm sure, are going to be low. Based on that comment, I'm sure his <laughs> expectations going into next season are going to be low. I mean, is it, is it fair to try that conclusion? <laughs> I did, he said it. I didn't make. Well, the, uh, I mean, here, Tony M. I think kind of agrees with you. Dana talks like a loser. I mean, or he talks I, like somebody with, without expectations at all. So, I, I mean. <laughs> It's a strange comment, but he did also say, basically, our defense is not good enough. You know, he did. He said that also. So he's he's been saying all year that we don't talking about the talent, throwing players under the bus. But I wonder, as a head coach, I know he's listed as an offensive mind, in which, but as a head coach, it's your job to oversee the entire football team. Right. And if you're such a good offensive mind and coaching have the coaching experience that he has, I would think that he would have some input on the defense and, and uh, help them prepare for the schemes that they're going to see because you're an offensive mind, right? And so your job is to coach the entire team, not just offense. And so I think he has to take the hit from some of the, the defense as well. I know, I mean, you got to take into account that, Injuries are happening and things like that. And so, I mean, we mentioned that. We, we've mm-hmm. taken that to account. But at the same time, man, he, he got to do a better job. Simple. And Tony M says, well, if expectations are low now, what will they be next year going into the Big 12? <laughs> I just said, like, expectations <laughs> yeah. then. Next year. is going to be, well, I can just see it now. Well, we have a young quarterback that didn't have much experience. And so, it's tough. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's that's weird, man. I don't so, know. You know, I mean, and I'm, I'm really curious about the fans commenting on what they heard Coach Ferguson yeah, just say in post game because that that's strange. He's a he's the head coach. It's it stops and starts with him. Okay, we know players are injured and injuries are part of the game because these guys are not robots. So teams get injured 
in, in football because it's a, it's a physical support. Injury prone sport. Like it's a hundred percent. You're going to get injured. Somebody. And I'm just going to stop right there and have Bailey comment right there. We might, might not make a bowl game next year. And because of the big 12, it's going to be hard to get six wins next year. That's why it sounds like he's celebrating the bowl this year. Today. <laughs> right now. So, yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's, he's already, I mean, maybe go back to that $4.2 million. You count the money already. Hey, I'm getting mine already. So, you know, y'all get yours somewhere. I'm getting mine. But <laughs> I'm not going to put the comment. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Well, let me go back and put this one up first because I think uh, Joe is correct here. Dana will be the head coach heading into the Big 12. Yeah. And like I said, I, I'm not mad. I wouldn't, I'm not mad at that. I, I'm not mad at that. I'm not just chamoring, chamoring for his job. Although I'm being very critical of him needing to do better job. But I think, like I, we just said um, a second ago, when you go into the Big 12, I don't know, unless you can get an Urban Meyer or um, a, a, a big time coach to come in that instantly that you know can get. Mm-hmm almost any player that he wants, then you got to – I mean, I, I can I can see why administration will stay with him for another year. And so, I like – I know that's – I think you're right for sure. I think he will be the coach. Okay. Well, let me – I'm going to try to pin you down on, on this one because it's, it's, it's tough. What if they just – first year in the Big 12, I mean, just are awful. I mean, we're talking – their non-conference is not very difficult. But what if they go – Winless in conference play or just win one game in conference play, would that be enough to fire him after just one year in the Big 12, in your opinion? Ooh, well, I got a whole uh, renew Couture to a feet to the fire. She said that they fire coaches who, who win, eight, win, win eight games. She said that. Right. And so if that stands true to what she said, I mean, I think you got to consider it. I think you got to consider it. But again, to his to his point, I think he's gonna come in and be like, "What are the expectations?" I think he's gonna be the one to try to dumb down expectations going going into the Big Twelve. And you're just looking at the Big Twelve right now, a team that Houston can't beat right now, and who should have beat this year, in which Texas Tech right now in conference they're two and four overall, they're four and five. Mm-hmm. That's just Texas Tech, right? West Virginia four and six. So the bottom feeder teams, Ohio State, four and five. Oklahoma, first-year head coach, and they got a really good head coach. I think he's going to do an amazing job coming over. Brent Venables coming over from Clemson. Mm-hmm. And his first year in the Big 12, he's four. I mean, he's what, five and five. And so, I mean, you got to really have realistic expectations. Two games, I think they might let him ride it out because you look at it, like I just mentioned, Brent Venables, that's five games. I saw – it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And aside from his own expectations, I'm kind of curious what the administration's expectations will be in that first year in the Big 12. Because I think the fans, many fans, and I think they're realistic, but they're also kind of turned off. Sorry to cut you off. Sorry to cut you off. I just thought about this. TCU's head coach, his first year at TCU. Yeah. He came over from SMU. Mm-hmm. I will say he inherited a, a good quarterback, um, Duggan, who has been a four-year starter. So he mm-hmm. has experience there, and they have the plethora of talent. And he's coaching up the players that he had. And so I can't use that as an excuse now that I think about it. But, you know, 
I think the fans next year are preparing themselves for a long <laughs> year in the Big 12. Rightfully so. <laughs> but if the administration <clears throat> agrees with Coach Hoberson and expects a lot of a rough first year, and what if they're okay? I mean, they're not going to say it publicly. You know, yeah. we, can, we can try to pin them down. But what if they're okay with, let's see, what is it, nine games in conference, a three and six first year in the Big 12? The fans wouldn't. Well, I don't know. The fans would be like, well, three wins more than I thought they'd get in conference play. You know, so it's kind of – I'm kind of curious because that's going to be the theme for the rest of this season. And, and we got to remember this. Next season, expectations. Because Dana said it today. He said it. Expectations. So we're going to hold him to that here on Les Sprague Cougs. So fans, D-Skills, Tony M. Bailey, you all remember expectations for next season for the first year in the Big 12 from Coach Hoberson, from the fans, and also from the administration. Because if they're different, if the administration says, no, no, we we expect for all the money we're spending, we're expecting six and three in the first year in the Big 12, and Dana goes three and six, he's going to be fired. But if they're expecting three and six, <laughs> and they go three and six, well, you know, he did what we thought he was going to do. So, well, okay, Sean said UCF is going to hold on to beat Tulane. Yep. So, so what does that do for the conference standings in the American? Well, it's Tulane. That's their first loss right? in the conference. And so looking at the standings right now, they'll be tied in, in conference um, with Cincinnati and both the 5-1 and one records. Um, UCF will have – the tiebreaker over both of them, if I'm not mistaken, because they beat Cincinnati and they beat Tulane. Yeah. And so they'll be at the number one spot. And then I think Tulane, they still have to play Cincinnati in their last game of the season. So as it sits now, UCF would be at the, at the top. So then the Tulane, Cincinnati winner will, will probably be this, the second team in the conference championship game. Yeah. Yep. Well, so that, that you know, I'm kind of surprised. What was the final score? You got the score on the yeah, – The score is 38-31. Okay, so they did – they made a comeback. Okay, because Tulane was down by 17, 31-14 about an hour or so ago. But, and another thing, going back to these expectation comments, mm-hmm. I mean, you got a, a fifth-year senior quarterback who which he praises like he's the best quarterback that he's, he's coached. Mm-hmm. And he's played well over the last four games. I'll give it to him. I'll give it to him. But at the same time, if you didn't expect to win the conference, which it sounds like he didn't expect to, yeah. he didn't expect to have success, what what was what did you expect with the quarterback that you have? Because, I mean, if you have a good quarterback like that, going into next season, you're not going to have him. You're going to have a young quarterback unless you um, get a transfer come in. So what are your expectations are going to be in, even lower. Oh, I wish I could have been there. I would have followed up with that. I would have followed up. I would have followed up. I would have followed up that question, man, because that that's a weird, weird, weird comment. It is, and I don't know because it was three minutes that we got. I'm not sure if there was more total, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I don't know. That was just Dana and another Dana answers. So maybe he'll yeah. he'll have more in Monday's press conference to preview and discuss next week's game against East Carolina. But uh, we're waiting on clip from Clayton Toon. So, but look at look at look at Gus Malzahn. What he's doing at UCF, going yep. into the Big Twelve. Look where they are. Mm-hmm. They've been coaching together. 
You don't hear nothing from over there, no excuses, no nothing. He, he's doing a great job. They having a bounce back year. And now they've improved. They've been the number one American. So their trajectory is going up going into the Big 12. Them and Cincinnati going into the Big 12. And so, man. I, I think I Bailey's mean, comment kind of sums it up for, for everybody. It sounds like Dana is content being six and four. That's exactly what it sounds and, like. And that's a problem. So that's a problem. And then Sean, Dana got to bring in a transfer Just imagine if you play UCF and Cincinnati this year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's two more losses. That's two more losses. Yeah. You cannot put your Big 12 hopes in the hands of a QB who's never started a game. That's next year. That's Lucas Coley, right? You agree they got to bring in a transfer quarterback? Veteran? I don't agree with that. I, I don't think so. I think, yeah, especially as it sounds like you're going to have low expectations, why not <laughs> get your young quarterback experience and build your program around him? You got all the other pieces around him. You got good receivers. You got good running back. You got offensive line who's young and got some good experience. And so he can be a game manager within his first year. And let's face it, he played. He was at an SEC, SEC team last year. In Arkansas, he didn't play, but that's SEC talent that he was at. And so I don't think you need an experienced quarterback to, to necessarily win. I, you've seen quarterbacks win. It's just all about coaching and, and game management, different and game management, different factors. So now nah, I don't think you need to get a, go get another quarterback because then after that, we're going to have to go get another one and go get another one. Like at some point, he's going to have to get that experience. All right. We got uh, Clayton, to- Clayton Toon's postgame comments after the win over Temple and his big game. That great touchdown pass down in the final moments. Here we go from QB Clayton Toon. Plays, can you talk a little bit about how you've grown specifically in that area and just your comfort level overall to be able to extend plays and, and continue to look down the field for receivers? Yeah, that's something I put an emphasis on. Is just you know my job description is to distribute the ball, not you know I'm not a running back. So um, I feel like early on in my career there were times where at any sight of pressure, you know I'd be quick to get out and run, and you know I'm confident my um, my ability to run the ball. So I always kind of leaned on that. But I realized that, you know, like I said earlier, we have playmakers all over the field that can do a lot better things with the ball in their hands than I can. So my job is to maneuver the pocket. You know, I have to make guys miss every now and then. But ultimately, it's to get those guys the ball. And so that was something I focused on and, and uh, really tried hard to get better at. Thank you. Clayton, was there, was there a point, um, you know, obviously a lot of expectations coming into this year, but was there a point you just said you had to sort of you know, turn out the noise and enjoy your your last year here and, and make the most of it. And um, it, is that you know part of the process? And you know, how, how did you reach that? Yeah, I think it was uh, going into that Memphis game. You know, it was coming off a loss. Um, we weren't playing our best offensive football. I wasn't playing my best ball. And um, like you said, I just kind of had to block out all the noise and and remind myself that I've you know been through too much and worked too hard and. Um, seen too much not to, you know, go out here and enjoy this last year and make the most of it. So um, it was probably going into that Memphis game where I just kind of told myself, I was like, you know what, just screw it. Just let it all hang out there and, um, you know, play free and, and, and see where the, the chips fall. And um, I feel like we've done a good job of, of responding from, you know, some of the early on struggles in the season. So definitely happy with the offense for sure. Hey, Clayton, congrats on the win. I asked the same question to Dana when he was here. Uh, is bowl eligibility something that you guys can, uh, you know, celebrate even after, even after like maybe not the best start to this season? 
Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's something to be proud of. Um, there's a lot of teams throughout the country that don't, you know, have that privilege. So definitely proud to say that we've won enough games to be bowl eligible. But, you know, like you said, our, our goals before the season were pretty high. And I feel like, um, you know, maybe we fell fallen short on a couple of those goals. But there's still things out there that are ahead of us that we've, you know, keep our eyes fixed on and are still chasing. So um, definitely something to be proud of, but there's more work to do. So. There you go, Clayton. What are your thoughts about what he said? Yeah, that sounds like a leader right there. Like, honestly, like, yeah, of course, we had our expectations coming in. We didn't meet them, but it's still something to play for. You celebrate going to a bowl game just like they celebrated beating Auburn in the Walmart Bowl. I'm just joking, whatever it was called. <laughs> whatever it was called. Yeah, Birmingham Bowl. I got, I got what you mean. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that's honest right there. And that's, like, I like that, Clayton. And I like everything I heard from Clayton Toon right there because he came off a, a game where he played horrible. And he, one thing about Clayton, he's resilient. I will mm-hmm. give Clayton that. He is resilient. Last year when he stunk it up against Texas Tech, he was resilient the rest of the year. He stunk it up in a game um, before that. What was the game before Memphis? Oh, well, I, I can't remember right now. But he stunk it up, came back, and he was like, mm-hmm. man, I, I've been through too much. I just got to come out and, and let it play. And that's what he's done ever since then. And so he's going out on his sword. He's he's um turned his play around, and he's leading his team. And so, man, I love everything that I heard from Clayton Toon right there. That's why I hope that he continues to play well and just leave Houston with a good taste in, his, in their mouth, specifically with his play, regardless of the outcome of the game. I like what I've seen from Clayton, and I really, really like everything that I heard from Clayton. Like, that's like, well, I wish he would have been sitting next to Dana when Dana said the comments. Because, <laughs> like, man, I like, I like what I heard from Clayton right there. And before Memphis was the loss of Tulane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Lost to the third team quarterback <laughs> against Tulane. So, yeah. All right. I'm going to bring in Akib. To join Andy and Dayon, and why can't we see Akib? Akib, are you there? Oh, uh, he's frozen. Oh, it might be the, the TDCU Wi-Fi. He's gonna have to get get off it. Um, he'll join uh, in a second. But okay. can you guys uh, hear me? Is my audio okay? Yes, sir. Sound fine. That's great. Uh, very very interesting game. Uh, the defense followed it up. I guess technically you can say they had a better performance than they had last week. That's what they uh, because, <laughs> because they did not give up 77 points. But, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a strong defensive showing. They did, honestly, just just enough to be able to, to you know, end up with a victory. And I think this is interesting and, and something that Dan Hogerson has reiterated multiple times throughout um, the last few media availabilities he's had. He said it again today um, following this game. But, again, he always brings up the injuries. Uh, he said the quote today was that they have a lot of guys in street clothes today that uh, could really make a difference if they were out in the field and weren't out due to injury. But um, something that Doug Buck has said uh, multiple times as well, it's always been that next man up mentality for Houston. But, I mean, there's no question about it. They've had difficulties throughout um, these last few, really for the past month. Um, and they've had issues throughout the season. It's been spotty, but it's become uh, much more prevalent in the past months where, I mean, really, it seems at times where opposing offenses is not even – it's that they're finding their, their targets, but it always seems like the targets are open uh, when they find – Wide open. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to I was trying to be nice. But uh, the, the other thing, too, even whenever they do check it down, 
um, throw it short. Houston struggled to come up with tackles, and it, you know, uh, we'll have Akibon in a bit. He had a crazy stat where I think at one point they had over 265, 265 yards after catch just alone in this game where uh, EJ Warner, he looked like Kurt Warner at times. He had over 400, 400 passing yards. Uh, I guess the official number he he had um, – 486 passing yards. He almost he almost threw for 500 yards against his Houston defense. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. And I mean, if we're being honest, it would have been if they would have had more than 40 seconds, they could have driven down the field and potentially uh, tied the game or heck, you know, gone for two and, and gone for the win. But I guess you can give credit to the Houston defense. They didn't give up points uh, with 40 seconds. There we have Akib joining us. Perfect. I was just gonna ask him to try try to try to do it again. The the Switch your um. There you go. There you go. There you go. Hey, what's up, y'all? Go ahead, man. I'm I'm gonna go in the back of the studio, so I'll still be on, but I got some stuff to take care of. So uh, you guys, you youngsters. Well, I'm gonna put this question up for you guys right here. Yeah, I know. It's time to get rid of Doug Doug Belk. Boy, amazing how things have changed. (laughs) So talk about that, and I'll be right back. Is the time we we kind of discussed this on last week's show day on uh we both said that may we both said no just in terms of what he brings to the table outside of uh in particular a leadership perspective and we talked about it on our part jamma uh part time jamma podcast this past week his his response to um obviously the the terrible performance of seventy seven points given up by the Houston defense um, last week in SMU and he I mean he was straight up honest he said we have to own up with it. Um, I mean, they flat out got whooped last week against the Mustangs, is what Doug Buck said. Um, but he said they were knocked down, not knocked out, um, which is something that um, was reiterated again during the post-game performance, uh, the press conference today after the game um, by a defense player. And I, I, I just don't think I, – I think it's crazy. After the good year he was able to put together last year, I think he, he deserves one more waiting C year, which I'm pr- I'm pretty confident we're I'm, we're gonna be in the minority in that. But let's say you guys, uh, Dan, I'll toss it over to you first. Yeah, I agree with you. We, we kind of talked about it a little bit before you guys came on, and I mean I don't think so. I think he's shown enough with last season to turn it around. When you look at this year, I mean, outside of these last two weeks, the defense has in spurts had played outplayed the offense, and so that's that's part of it. I think injuries that's a real issue that they're facing. But as well as um, as, as well as lack of experience um, from some of those players, but the main thing from what I'm seeing is they're not getting pressure, and so they need to continue to retool their defensive line. They've gonna they've developed defensive linemen at an elite rate. I got to give them credit for that. But right now, Sack Av has been empty. I mean, there's no one on that street right now. It's been vacant because they had one sack tonight, and that that. Um, when you can't pressure the quarterback and get stacks, that makes it tougher for the DBs. They have to cover for six and seven, eight seconds, and that's almost impossible. And so I think um, – I don't think it's time to panic. I think people are prisoners in a moment. But if you look back at what the defense was before last year, before he took over, uh, I think he, he's deserved more grace than just um, a couple bad games or, or three or four bad games um, in this season. I think, like, given the personnel that he has right now, it's it's kind of hard to say at this point. I'm I'm with you, both of you guys. Like, I think it's way too early 
to put that out, especially given um, his resume, what he did last season. And then you see this season is not, you know, obviously six and four is not the start that um, most fans wanted, obviously. But I think it give, if you give him the right personnel, yeah, I think mm-hmm. he gets the job done. And you, you see like a crazy amount of uh, injuries to this team right now. And college football is like that, where if you even lose one or two key guys, like your whole team suffers. It's not like, you know, it's nothing at the professional level. We got it, man. One thing that we was just picking apart was, okay, you asked a great question to Dana, and his response really just had us and all of the comments just like, what did you just <laughs> say? Like, like what? Can we replay that again? Yeah, I'll, I'll play it. I'll play it for sure. And, I mean, it was something we were talking <laughs> off air. Um, and he asked that same question. I don't know if you guys have been able to play uh, Clayton Toon's clip. He asked the same question that Clayton Toon. Exactly. Much different answer. But we'll play it. We'll play it again, Daniel Holgerson's uh, postgame presser for those of you guys that might just be tuned. Come up with some big plays. Uh, yeah, I got enough stops for us to be able to win. Um, yeah, I'm sitting there looking at the sidelines. And nobody cares what I'm about to say. And it's, I'm not using it as an excuse. It's just who we are right now. But, you know, you're looking at a lot of guys in street clothes that should be starting playing. It's just facts. I mean, we're playing a lot of guys that we didn't anticipate uh, playing at this point. Um, and we're wearing out. I mean, you know, this team scored 54 points against South Florida last week. They scored on every possession, you know, so we knew they were going to have possessed the ability to, to to move the ball and score. We'll face the same thing next week. I mean, we're going to go face the East Carolina team that can score points. And it's just, it's, it's, the, it's the makeup of our team. Um, just hang in there and get some, you know, get some key stops to the point to where offense can score it up and go to win. Again, uh, 486 passing yards from Temple today. How much of that offensive explosion would you just attribute to the pass rush uh, not getting to the quarterback? Well, it was one of the keys of the game. I, I thought we protected good because they, they came in top five in the country in sacks, TFLs, Temple did. So I think we did a good job of that. Uh, you know, I know DA got there once, but they're number one in the nation and not allowing sacks. I think a lot of it has to do with play calls and, and the Warner kid getting the ball out of his hands. So we knew we wouldn't be able to rack up a bunch of good numbers and stuff like that. I, I don't think we I don't think we're as disruptive to the point to where we made him uncomfortable, which is why we gave up so many yards and points. I mean it's it's just it's not it's not good enough defense to have it. And, we, and we've seen that uh, in years past and in games past to be able to do it. We're just not doing it right now. Hey, Dana. Congrats on the win. Uh, is bowl eligibility something that you guys can uh, celebrate even though you guys didn't have the season that maybe you didn't expect? You're talking about preseason expectations that we don't put on ourselves and that other people do. I mean, every season's different. Every team's different. Um, I'm proud of that fact that our team just fights and plays, and we won, and so we will celebrate that. Next question, Warren Dina, uh, you, you know, Tank, you know, 12 more catches today. <laughs> we'll, we'll cut it off there because we, we got that sound bite right there, that very ending. Um, and I'll, I'll toss it over to you first because you asked the question, what, what was your initial reaction when you heard that? Um, expectations put upon by outside um, people is what Hogerson said, which I mean, there were a couple of players, multiple players that said, you know, their expectations heading into the season was to not only get the American Athletic <laughs> Conference Championship game, but win that game, something they weren't able to do last season. Um, but I'll okay, about the floor is yours, sir. It was 
what I told you earlier, you know, off the air, <laughs> it was kind of a little bit of some cap right there with, uh, you know, <laughs> with, because you could see like the tone totally changed from beginning of the season, two, three games in, and then now you're 10 games in, and now all of a sudden you're saying uh, the expectations were put from others. Come on, like, that's not what, I mean, we could probably go back to some of the first, first post-game pressers like two three two three games in and you could see him saying we're not happy with ourselves this and that so like it's totally you know contradicting what he's been saying from the beginning of the season and now since you know they're six and four not having the best season now they're saying oh that's not the expectation that we put on ourselves like come on like uh, you know I wasn't half too thrilled about that answer yeah, me either. I didn't understand it. It immediately made me question, well, what, what what was your expectations? Like, did you not expect to have a good year? Like, that's what that was my immediate reaction. Like, okay, that was outside expectation, expected the team to have a good year. You got a fifth-year senior quarterback. You got had a good year last year. You got a favorable schedule coming into the season. And so were you not expecting to have a good year? Like what will you expect? Like that's what that was my immediate reaction. Like, what does he mean by that? That literally makes no sense. Then you ask Clayton Tune the same question, and you get an answer what a leader would say. Like, yeah, we're gonna celebrate being a bowl game. Like, that's something to celebrate. The teams are on. We had expectations to win coming season. It's not, but we still continue to fight. And so I was wondering from your head coach. What's your expectation? Did you not expect to be good? So we were kind of foresaw the future. It was like, okay, well, what's your expectation of going into the Big 12 next year? Are you really going to have a low expectation going into next year? And so, like, I just didn't get that. Yeah, and it, it's – I mean, that's a great point in regards to the Big 12 because it's something that he's mentioned it um, throughout the course of the season. You know, we need to get better players. We're not at the level of talent. Um, where they need to be able to compete in the Big 12. You've, you've said that multiple times throughout the season. So, damn, that's a great point. What what exactly will be those expectations once they get into the Big 12? Because uh, if you ask a lot of fans, they're going to be – I mean, they're saying that they're going to be at the bottom of the Big 12. And and really, the when you look at the history of this team, you can't argue with that. They haven't been able to beat a Big 12 opponent going back to 2016 when they beat Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield at NRG Stadium. That was six years ago. Um, and they had two great opportunities to do so this season. Texas Tech, they had that game at hand. Had they been able to get one stop on a fourth and 20, they would have been able to, to come out with a win there. And even Kansas, they just flat out couldn't stop the Jayhawks. So um, I agree. That's that's um, You raised a great point, Dayon. Just what, what, what kind of mindset? When you hear that clip, it, it comes across as defensive, which um, is something that, again, we discussed. Uh, and Akiva, you, I mean, you brought up a great point just in terms of overall, again, like if you're a head coach, what what were the expectations coming into the season? Which it was last year. They got to the American Athletic Conference Championship game. They fell short against Cincinnati. That was a good season. Now, obviously, the year is to be better. And the only way to have been better is not only have reached the championship game, uh, but win it in the final year in the American Athletic Conference. And that's something that they're um, it's really highly unlikely that they're going to do. And um, before we move on, let's just look at the Big 12 records right now. Bottom of the Big 12 right now, Iowa State, four and six. Oklahoma, first-year head coach, Brent Venables, who I think is going to be a great coach, came from Clemson. He's five and five in his first year at Oklahoma. West Virginia, they're four and six. Texas Tech, who you just mentioned, who we can't beat. 
is four and five. And so they're all at the at the bottom tier of the Big 12. And so when you got Sonny Dykes, who inherited a Big 12 team who has Big 12 talent, but it seems like him and his coaching staff have gotten them over the hump and he has them undefeated. And so what's your ex- what what's it seems like the expectation he's kind of setting the president for it to be low. And so that's I don't know if I want to hear that from uh, the leader of a football program. Yeah, it was it was night and day between what Clayton Toon said and what uh, Coach Daniel Hogerson said. And and Dayon, you've probably you've had your fair share of criticism even of of Clayton Toon. You know, maybe sometimes what he does on the field, the mistakes he makes. But it was that was the key point you made that that's something that a leader would say, yeah. you know, from Clayton Toon. Like regardless of you know how he's played over the course of this season, like you can say very confidently that he's like he's a leader of this team and you know even players look up to him as such and one thing about soon is he's resilient like he's proven that last year after that texas tech game the way he played the rest of the season after the game the way um he played against Tulane, and i love his comment when he talked about that he was like man coming out against memphis i wanted just to put it all out there and just let loose and you've seen his last four games he's been the reason that um that we've won games that we won like he's been a really really good quarterback and so man i'm just speechless to what i heard from dana but clayton i mean i I get him gotta give him his flowers he's doing a great job of leading playing well and doing everything that he can do to try to will his team's victory yeah i mean tonight was a perfect example of that um after temple i drove down the field and i Kind of, uh, it was it was a big night by Stacy Sneed, who continued to excel his performance on the ground. At that point, prior to uh, this penultimate drive for Houston, he had 143 rushing yards, two touchdowns, and then he had that key fumble that uh, really swung momentum and allowed Temple to drive down the field. They scored the go-ahead touchdown. Uh, but to your credit, like you said, to both of you, Akib and Dayon's credit, um, Clayton Toon was able to. Uh, essentially rally the offense and be able to have that go-ahead drive, that final go-ahead drive, and make – it was something that I saw a lot more from him in this game where, I, obviously, we, we know Toon throughout his career, even going back um, for all the seasons that he's been here, we always knew that Clayton Toon can make plays uh, with his feet. And in this game, there was a couple of times uh, – and this was against a very good tempo offense when it comes to that defensive line. They were averaging uh, over three sacks a game, and they were top – seven in the country when it comes to sacks per game as a defense. Uh, and there was a couple times where Clayton Toon saw that pressure and he used his feet to move around the pocket and extend plays, find receivers, and make bigger plays. And going back to that last possession when he found Matt Golden for the go-ahead touchdown on the two-point conversion, like you said, he took over, he made a play to put Houston up seven and give him that extra cushion. Um, and I, I agree, there's Clayton Toon being able to tune out, uh, no pun intended on that, but being able to tune out all the noise and be able to, to put together a strong performance going back to the fourth quarter against Memphis, it's something that Matt Golden himself also said, who also spoke to reporters after this game. But Clayton Toon, he just has an act to be able to rally the entire offense from a leadership standpoint. They all believe in him. Um, and something uh, Sabo Waniki said, who's a, the defensive player that spoke, when Clayton Toon is rolling, um, the offense is rolling, and, and they have just continued to be on a hot streak. They have five straight games, going back to that Memphis game where they've scored 30 or more points. Now it's three straight games where they scored 42 or more points in a game, which is just absurd to think about. I mean, the offense is another level right now. Yeah, yeah, it is. And just, uh, you know, watching them in person to see how, you know, how Clayton Toon's been doing 
as a leader, like it just, I'm, I'm like very proud of what he's accomplished, like over the, and also just over the course of his career, like he's now, um, they said he's, I think third all time in the American conference in passing yards and also third in all purpose yards. Like those are, those are records that, you know, you can't scoff at. Like, um, that's like, it's a big deal, you know, cause, cause of the course of, you know, however, the last 10 years, uh, close to 10 years, right. In the American uh, conference like you've seen such you've seen great quarterbacks you know roll through with other teams and even with with the with the Houston Cougars we, we've had some great quarterbacks um, and what he's done you know over his as I think what five years now with the Cougars is is very special and um, hopefully like he continues uh, and finishes strong you know uh, with, throughout the season But that brings to final point um, because they have uh, it's gonna be a tough cha- uh, challenge next week at East Carolina, which I don't know what the line's gonna be. I I would imagine that Houston would be underdogs in that game. They just came off giving Cincinnati everything they could handle uh, yesterday in their game um, against the Bearcats. But uh, looking ahead, the defense obviously is gonna continue to be a struggle. They 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 did do better than SMU. That's not, that's not saying much, but uh, the same issues that they've had during this recent stretch. Um, we don't know what's going on in the secondary. Like you mentioned, when I first hopped on day on, they have wide open uh, receivers off decisions that travel, uh, trouble tackling. Um, they were able to get a couple of stops when it came to turnover on downs, but something that really I had a thought um, when I was watching the game, whenever, Temple had those turnover on downs. It was never really because Houston forced a stop. It was much more, it seemed like Temple just couldn't execute. They wouldn't execute. Um, and Akib, we were mentioning it. I think it was on one of the fourth quarter possessions when Temple settled for a field goal. They could have scored a touchdown that they would have cut it to, at the very least, two. Um, and EJ Warner, he had a target wide open and he just overthrew him. And that forced them to have to settle for field goal. And that just goes to show. Um, you know, the injuries are a big part of it, but that's just something about this Houston defense that I don't know if it's just covered. They're not used to it, but they, they have really struggled uh, to cover opponents. That's flat out as simple as it can be. They have, and it goes back into Jace Rogers' um, comments a couple weeks ago where he was talking about communication, and he reiterated how much they need to communicate. And I don't know if that's – the issue or they aren't communicating effectively to when everyone's on the same page and they know the, and they know what's going on because um, we had a, a comment that Chris posted earlier and was like, is it, is it um, X's and O's or, or is it Joe's? And, and I, I think I got to go with players. I, I, I believe that maybe coach Doug Buck is simplifying the game plan, and, but at the same time, it's up to the players to communicate and execute what's being called. And, I think injuries and really lack of experience is really, really playing a huge key right now because you see flashing where they can make plays. They have the talent. It's just being able to do that and recognize situational football and what's coming and be able to stop that. But more than likely, just do the assignment because there's way too many wide-open receivers. I could be muted. Yeah, look, yeah, looking at it, sorry, looking at it objectively, like EJ Warner, you know, he's a beast, man. He threw for almost 500 yards um, today, but at the same time, like, guys were just wide open. 
And, like, you could see as the play develops, you're just, like, thinking in your head, like, what is going on with this defense? And I, I, I think, again, like, it goes back to leadership. It goes back to Dana Hogerson. Dana Hogerson goes back to Doug Belk. Um, and, of course, like, they don't have the elite personnel that they did have last season or that they did have at the beginning of this season. But at the same time, like, this is the, this is the American Conference and you're – you're heading into the Big 12 next season. So what are you like what are you going to expect when you're facing teams like I mean you still might have to play like teams like UT and OU cuz I don't think uh, officially they're they've exited the Big 12 yet, right? Reportedly, uh Houston is going to host Texas next season. Yeah. Um yep. which I mean that in and of itself there's something I don't know if you guys uh Dan, you and Chris were able to touch on. I'm not, and I don't mean to segue, but that crowd, that's that's going to be another topic for another day. If Texas has to come to TDCU Stadium, I'd be curious to see how much burnt orange there is on the crowd. But, Akib, yeah, go ahead and, and finish your point. Yeah, so I just, you know, it, it goes back to the leadership. And then, uh, and then of course, injuries are killing us. Like, we can't just we, – we have to give some credit towards uh, UH and give them some support in that they the injuries have killed us tremendously but uh, at the same time like you're seeing guys missing assignments not making tackles like like you mentioned earlier in the show and like I mentioned to you um, around I think was it near the end of the game like they had more yards after catch um, Temple did than UH had total receiving yards so the total like that having more yards after catch versus us even not even having the amount in receiving yards is is ridiculous and that tells you all all that you need to know missed tackles missed assignments and you know i think it's just going goes back to leadership you know it's funny bringing up that point about the the burnt orange uh kick faces it would look like minimate park when houston has to play uh texas next season a lot of orange um, but no, that, that's, that's certainly a, a valid point. I think looking ahead, I think the offense is at a point where we expect them and we don't know how sustainable it's going to be. It, it, we saw it wasn't sustainable at all last week against SMU. There's got to be a point where the defense has to buckle down. And Joe Mendez, his comment, he said, the defense is soft and can someone start doing some tackling drills in the off season to get them ready for games? Um, that's really, at the end of the day, the main problem. They are unable to cover, they are unable to tackle, um, which is something we've reiterated throughout. But looking ahead, East Carolina, Dan, I'll toss it over to you first. What's one area that you're going to be looking at in regards to the football team uh, when they take on the Pirates next week? Man, pressure on the quarterback. We got to get pressure on the quarterback. I think that's number one, whether we need to bring some blitzes, but you're hesitant to do that because you don't want to put your secondary – um, at at risk or in now you don't want to put them at risk and so I mean de- defensive line sack out where, where you been you got to get pressure on the quarterback that's the main thing that I'm gonna be looking at yeah and I think that's an underrated point I think today I don't have the exact numbers on me I think they only got one sack and yep. really that that was a big reason why I mean Warner it looked like he had all the time to one I'll give credit. Uh, to Temple scheme because there was a lot of times where he was getting the ball out of his hands quick. Uh, but he threw 59 times. He completed 42 of those attempts. And like uh, I could said, almost threw for 500 yards. I mean, that, that there was no pressure up front. And really, 
I think it's gone downhill um, throughout the season. Really, even going back to the injury to Derek Parrish, he was their really their main anchor that caused a lot of the havoc, especially early. I mean, Derek Parrish by himself, he had four sacks against Texas Tech uh, early on in the season. So that's that's been a big blow. But I I absolutely agree, Dan. That that's been that's a key part why um, even if they don't, they haven't really been able to get pressure, and it's really had to force the secondary that's struggling in and of its own to have to be. Uh, play coverage more often, but Akabat, toss it over to you. Which one area you're going to be looking at um, next week against East Carolina? Yeah, how can they get can they get to the quarterback? And like just looking at uh, Holton, I believe it's Ailers, right? Is that how you say his name? He's yeah. This guy has very good stats. Like he's almost thrown for three thousand yards now through um, through ten games. He's sixty eight percent completion, twenty touchdowns to five interceptions. Like. This guy is really good, and um, he's just another quarterback like you could say, like EJ Warner, where he, they're going to be throwing like a pass-heavy offense. And this this ECU team like can very they're six and four right now, but they very well could be um, eight and two or even ten and zero. Like just looking at all the all the losses they've had so far, aside apart from Tulane, obviously, but like the other three losses that they've had against Navy and then against uh, Cincinnati. And then against NC State, who was ranked at the time, like they've all been uh, one or two point losses. So it's uh, it's a very good team. And like six and four is not the record that you should be even looking at. It's more so like how have they done against the more difficult opponents? Like they just lost to Cincinnati like by two points. And Cincinnati is a very good team. Absolutely. Great points by both you guys. We're going to put a pin on it there. Once again, the final score, Houston defeats Temple 43-36. to They now improve to 6-4. and four. And um, it, like you said, next week they're going to play against East Carolina. That's going to be on the road, final road game of the season, final true road game of the season for Houston. It'll be an interesting matchup. I would have to guess the ECU is going to be favored going into that game. It's going to be a tough challenge overall. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Once again, so the final attendance number they had at 21,731, which, I mean, it is what it is. At this point, honestly, I'm surprised they were able to get over 20 after the, the demoralizing loss uh, to SMU a week ago. Uh, but, Dan, I'm going to toss it over to you. Where can people find you, sir? You can find me on all social media platforms at Dayon Dunlap, like it's listed right under my um, under my picture. And um, I will say a quick point. I think next year, like we've talked about, Houston fans in all sports across the board come to see other teams, whether it's basketball, football, no matter. So when UT comes to town, I expect a packed TDECU. People are going to want to come to see the Longhorns. And so uh, that's just my opinion. And I can work to people find you, sir. Yeah, y'all can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Akib Ghazi MMA. And um, yeah, an interesting point on Title Project said, I'm surprised it's over 20,000. That's going down for sure. It has steadily gone down from the home opener. It had over 30,000 against Kansas. Um, now it's hovering around 20,000, which uh, you, you hate to speak just in terms of the, the really the state of the football program at this point. So uh, they have one more home game that'll be against Tulsa on Thanksgiving week. So I think, I think they're going to be competing to see if they can hover over 20,000 in that game. But that's going to do it for this episode of Let's Rage Cougs. We'll be back on Monday night after the men's basketball team. It's men's basketball season, like Untitled Project uh, said. We'll be back after the end of Houston 
and Oral Roberts. Houston off to a great start. They're 2-0 and on the season. They had an impressive win over St. Joseph's last night. If you weren't able to check out uh, Let's Rage Cougs uh, for that, be sure to check it out, whether you're watching on the Houston Romber Review, on the archives on Chris's channel. Big props to him for being able to lend the Houston Romber Review uh, YouTube channel to be able to be the home for Let's Rage Cougs. And big shout-out to Hoop and Holler Houston and Star Pizza for being two sponsors on today's episode. We did not have a primary sponsor for this show, so if you are interested in being a primary sponsor, be sure to hit us up at Let's Rage Cougs at gmail.com that's gonna do it once again final score houston defeats temple 43 to 36 they'll be back on the road next saturday against east carolina go cool